0: Amen. Well, let's look at uh, Philippians 4.4. 4. We started a series a few weeks ago called The Choice to Rejoice, and the rest of those messages are available on our website and podcast. If you want to listen to them, I encourage you, if you missed them, to go ahead and listen to them. That'll help you, because we won't go back and cover everything that we covered before, but we will build on what we've already covered. Philippians 4 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. That means all the time. This is Paul writing a letter. He says, Again, I will say rejoice. He's emphasizing it. In an amplified classic, same verse, says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Delight, gladden yourselves in him. Again, I say rejoice. Let's look at uh, first, or first Peter 1, verse 6. It says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, in the, in, uh, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom, having not seen you love, Though you do not see Him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So we spent some time just talking about rejoicing, what that means, and and read some definitions of that. In general, uh, rejoicing, just if you looked up the dictionary definition. It means to feel or express joy, great delight, or triumph. So there's an element of victory. There's an element of winning. There is joy. There is delight. And Paul, the Apostle Paul said, do this all the time. Rejoice not just once or twice or once a year or a couple times a year, once a month. He said rejoice all the time. Rejoice all the time. We should have be in an attitude of rejoicing and uh, of delighting, of gladdening ourselves, of triumph, of joy, that's not supposed to be just a sometime thing, you know, on Friday afternoon when you're done with the work week or, you know, when you have a birthday party coming up and you just feel good, so now it's time to rejoice. That's a great time to rejoice, but also every other time is a time to rejoice. Amen. There is never a time that we get off saying, well, now it's not the time to rejoice. Well, that doesn't mean, you know, that doesn't mean you're dumb about it. The Bible also has other things to say. You don't don't do things in people's face. If somebody's going through a tough time, you know, it can be really annoying. You, You just get in their face and start rejoicing. That's not what this is talking about. It's not talking about being rude or dumb, but in internally, you know, the Bible says, weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice, but, you know, um, that doesn't mean you you can still be positive, you can still have your your focus on God, and you can still be a, a, a help to other people, and a minister, minister just means servant to other people, but that doesn't mean you force things on them. Well, I'm happy, why aren't you happy? You know, if you've ever been there, that can be really annoying, right? The Bible has something to say about it. You, you sense, but that doesn't mean you now you have to be sad. No, you can be rejoicing on the inside by helping somebody and bringing them up. But be tactful. Be Walk in love. How would you want to be treated? The Bible talks about if, if you say really loud first thing in the morning, oh, it's a great morning, That's that can be like, oh my gosh. Tone it down, will you? We just, just woke up. You know, there's a time and a place of how it comes out, but that doesn't negate the fact that it said rejoice all the time. That means you can be in an attitude, but it may look different. You don't got to be, you know, boisterous just to be boisterous. Uh, think about the other person. But let's look at Psalm one eighteen twenty two. 22. Psalm one eighteen twenty two. 22. It says there, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad. And before we go on there, I think I had to say some more about what I was just saying, just to finish something up. Here's what you don't want to do. When we're talking about rejoicing always, and, you know, I've heard this a lot in my life, you don't need to be fake. You don't need to try to put on an air with people. You don't need to try to, well, you know, I'm around you, so I got to put on the the pasted on smiley and glory to God. Yeah, it's good. And then when you, you know, somebody gets out of your sight, they're like, oh my gosh, but oh, I'm around you. So oh, what's the point of that? That's not what Paul's talking about. You just, that's being fake. Now, I'm not saying, you got to put down your feelings, don't misunderstand me. You don't go by your feelings, you don't feel like it, but you don't need to be fake. And especially not for somebody else's benefit. Well, I got to look like a good Christian, so I'm going to put on the show. For who? God knows. The devil knows, too. You know, it doesn't do you any good to to be put on a show around people and then get in your car and lose it. It's not going to, that's not going to help. So no, we, can, we don't need to, to be fake about it, but you, you, you can still, we can put our feelings aside and still be in an attitude of rejoicing. You know, you don't have to, to go into fake mode or Christian easy mode, but you can believe God and, and uh, do what His Word says. If you can't say anything positive, now this is a saying, but that actually lines up with the Word of God. If you can't say anything positive, just shut up. That will be half the battle sometimes, right there. If you you can't bring yourself, and I'm not saying you shouldn't, but at, at some point where something's pressing on you, rather than letting the negative come out, if you'll just shut up, that'll bring you so much further. Just be quiet. And the Bible says in Proverbs that, that if a man holds his peace, he's considered wise. And then some of you start talking, it's like, oh, gosh, I thought he was smart, but now he started talking. You're, you know, sometimes you just shut up. People are like, wow, he's perceptive. No, he didn't. you cannot have a clue what's going on in the situation, but if you shut up, nobody will know it. And you may be losing it on the inside and being like, I just want to cry, but if you just stay there, they'll think, man, they're stoic. Wow. And in the middle and inside, you're just like, Oh, glory to God, it's all you can do. If you've got to bite your tongue, bite your tongue. But don't, let, don't start saying, hey, well, I don't want to be fake, so I'm just going to say what I feel. Don't do that. That's yielding to the enemy. You just He'll be like, well, you just need to say it, get it out. No, you don't. You start yielding to that, you're yielding to the wrong spirit. You start talking like that, talking. Well, I just feel like this will all be real. Some people actually encourage that. Well, you just got to get it all. Out. No, you don't. You start getting it all out, you are yielding to the devil, and it'll get worse as you talk. If you not if if you're getting pressed, just be quiet and say and start praying. Lord, help me. I'm, I'm getting pushed. But Lord, in you, I in turn, I'm gonna rejoice, and then you can start. Letting it out of your mouth. This all goes along, actually, with what we're going to get into. But let's look at Psalm 118. Let's read this again, since we kind of backed out of it here. Verse 22, the stone which the builders rejected, talking about Jesus prophetically, has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. So this isn't literally talking about a day i mean it's talking about a period of time and saying it's talking about jesus becoming the cornerstone and saying this is the day that the lord has made this time this doing you see that in other translations but this god has done this but it doesn't hurt at all because you see so many other scriptures that will read you know people say talk about this is the day like this literally today is the day that the Lord has made, we will rejoice and be glad in it. Well, it doesn't hurt at all to take it like that. This, you could say, this day, because you'll see all these other verses we'll read. When did Paul say to rejoice? All the time. So that would include today, right? Okay, so we're good. You're not doing this any harm by saying, today has the Lord made the world and everything good? The fact that we're in the world, and create is he the creator? Okay, so he created the world. Did he create time and space? Yeah, so today he's created it, and he has made it. And so saying that this is the day the Lord has made, we will rejoice and be glad in it, that, that agrees with every other scripture. So there's nothing wrong with using, that, using saying it like that. But it says, this is the day the Lord has made, we will rejoice... And be glad in it. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Look at the uh, verse twenty-four in the Amplified Classic. This is the day which the Lord has brought about. We will rejoice and be glad in it. In the CEV, verse twenty-four said, "This day belongs to the Lord. Let's celebrate and be glad." today. Is today fall under the category of always? Yeah, yeah. so we, that qualifies. But notice it says, here it says, let's celebrate and be glad today. In the other ones we read, it says, we will rejoice and be glad in it. We will rejoice. We will rejoice. Well, we're going to see this more clearly. That is a choice. That is a decision. We will rejoice. In other words, you could choose not to. You can always choose not to rejoice. In any situation, you can choose, well, I just, I don't feel like it. I'm not going to do it. It's always a choice. Let's look at Habakkuk three seventeen. Habakkuk. Say Habakkuk. Habakkuk. Kind of fun to say. 3.17. It says, Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines. Now notice what he's describing here. This doesn't sound good. Though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls." So notice what he's describing. This is not good. Okay, let's go back to verse 17 so you can get the picture of what he's saying. This is not a good situation. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off the fold, And there be no herd in the stalls. In other words, things aren't going exactly right. Verse 18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet and he will make me walk on my high hills. Verse 18 says, yet I will rejoice. Yet, okay, there's this, doesn't look right. This isn't going right. This is not the way I believe it's going to be. Verse 18, yet I will. Well, you could say, all this stuff is going wrong, so time to let her rip and complain. But it says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. What is I will? That is I choose to. That is I'm determ- I'm putting my will on it. In other words, I could will to do something else. But I will rejoice. When you say I will do something, you are putting your word on, on it that I am going to follow through. Look at it um, in the Amplified, verse 18. In the Amplified... Says, yet I will choose to. See, this brings it out. I will choose to rejoice in the Lord. Yet I will choose to rejoice in the Lord. I will choose to shout in exultation in the victorious God of my salvation. I will choose. But, yeah, but it's not going well. Yeah, but I'm going to choose anyway. Going to choose to rejoice. Going to choose to be in joy. Going to choose. To be in triumph. Even though it doesn't look right. Let's look at Psalm 42. We're going to look at a a few of these psalms here. You see this throughout the psalms. The psalms are so rich. Uh, You know, our songs, so many of them, our worship songs, are based in the psalms. And that was, you know, Israel's songbook. And David wrote a lot of them. Other people wrote wrote many. But, you know, David went through some tough times, and there's pictures of people going through a challenging time, yet they're pushing through, and there's a lot of praise and a lot of rejoicing in the midst of something that is pressing. And that is a choice to do it, even though circumstances would not make you feel like rejoicing, not make you feel like being thankful. Psalm 42:11 says, "Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for yet for I shall yet praise Him. The help of my countenance and my God. asking himself, why are you cast down? Why are you looking down? Nope, I will, Praise him. He's telling himself, now, hope in God. Why are you disquieted? Sometimes that's what we need to talk to ourselves and say, wait a minute. Why are you feeling down? Well, there's this, 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 and this. See, he takes the focus off that and says, hope in God. I shall yet praise him. Like it said in Habakkuk. Look, this doesn't look good, this doesn't look good, yet I will. I choose to rejoice. I will rejoice. Let's look at uh, Psalm 61. This is David. Psalm 61, verse 1, says, Hear my cry, O God, attend to my prayer. From the end of the earth I will cry to you when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Get in the picture, David saying, when I'm overwhelmed, when my heart can't take any more, lead me to the rock that's higher. There is a higher power than what we see naturally. God transcends any circumstance, any time period. He is the Almighty. These, these, these psalms were written when David, he, he was being tracked. They were trying to kill him. Saul wanted to have him dead. He was run out of his, his own... Uh, area and he had to, he was on the run so many times and he had to encourage himself. His own people turned against him and he would say I will praise God anyway. I will rejoice anyway. When I am overwhelmed, God has not failed. When I am being pressed, God is still on the throne and I will choose. See, it's a choice to look to him. Verse 3 says, for you have been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in your tabernacle forever. I will trust in the shelter of your wings. Verse 8, so I will sing praise to your name forever that I may daily perform my vows. He says, so I'm still going to praise you. So I'm still going to rejoice. So I'm still going to look to you. And not look into the, to the, the stuff that's going on. Psalm 104, verse 33. It says, I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. May my meditation be sweet to him. I will be glad in him. Notice the language. Just some examples in Psalms. I will. I will. Be glad in Him. Well, all these people, they must have just been feeling happy. No, you read the circumstance. No, they're not just feeling happy. If we just rejoice when we feel happy, we're going to miss it. If we're just going to walk with God when we feel like He's there and when we feel like everything is wrong, we're going to miss it. Now, there are times when stuff is pressing, when the circumstances don't look what you don't feel like rejoicing, you don't feel like praising, yet... I will be glad in the Lord, yet I will praise Him. Isaiah 61.10 says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul soul shall be joyful in my God. Sometimes we have to say, soul, you're going to be joyful. God has done so much for us. You can't think of anything. You, you know, stuff's overwhelming. You say, Lord, you've saved me. You've cleansed me. You've washed me in your blood, and I will spend eternity with you. I'm going to choose to focus on that. I'm going to choose to focus on the fact you're here, you're with me. Psalm 31, verse 7. It's David again. It says, I will be glad and rejoice in your mercy. I will be glad and rejoice in your mercy, for you have considered my trouble. You understand God always knows what you're going through. Always. Always. It's never lost on Him. He says, I will be glad and rejoice in your mercy, for God, or for you have considered my trouble. You have known my soul in adversities and have not shut me up into the hand of the enemy. You have set my feet in a wide place. And Psalm 13, 5 says, But I have trusted in your mercy. I have trusted in your mercy. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Is David again. You see the, the, the way it's being approached. I will do this. I will. See, sometimes we get the impression, oh, some people, they just have it easy. You know, they don't go through anything, so it's so easy for them to rejoice. Everybody has to rejoice and choose to do it. If you're going to do it, you choose to do it. The the challenges of life come to everybody. Nobody is exempt. We all have challenges, and we all have the opportunity to choose. Now let's look at some verses in the New Testament. James 1, verse 2. James 1, verse 2. I believe we're really, you know, a lot of us have heard uh, uh, some areas of these things over time, but I believe we're, we're tapping in to something here that is just so crucial, especially, you know, times that we're living in, to tap in, to the joy of God, like we talked about last week, the the joy of the Lord is your strength. As you tap into the joy of the Lord and and we start to see the power of rejoicing and being joyful, it it transcends any circumstance. And if we start getting a, a hold of the fact that this can be part of our life, now our strength, is brought up. Our attitude changes. Our focus changes. Let's look at uh, James 1, verse 2. James says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Now, most people would not say that. Count it joy, count it all joy when you have a trial. That's not the natural reaction, is it? In the world, is that the normal reaction? Something goes bad? No, it's time to get mad, or it's time to be frustrated, or why? That's what people model in the world. But here it says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And it goes on to some other things we're not going to cover now. But look at verse 2 in the Amplified Classic. It says, consider it wholly joyful, my brethren, whenever you are enveloped in or encounter trials or any sort of any sort, or fall into various temptations. Consider it joyful. Consider it joyful. He didn't say it is joyful. He says, consider it joyful. He didn't say, act like nothing is going on. He didn't say, oh, put your head in the sand. He said, in the middle of it, count it all joy. In the middle of it, count it joyful. That's different. That means you're trusting something more than the situation to be able to do that. Because if you're just going by what you see, then you wouldn't be joyful. But you are saying, God, you, you are higher. You haven't left. Your word is true, and I'm going to tap into that, so I'm going to count it joy, even though something is pressing on me. I'm not thanking you for it. I'm not saying you're the author of it. I'm saying in the middle of it, I'm still going to count it joy, and I will still rejoice, and I will still praise you in the midst. In the NLT, same verse says, Dear brothers and sisters, When troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Consider it an opportunity. What's an opportunity? Can you pass up an opportunity? Yeah. You may have the opportunity to do something. That doesn't mean you take the opportunity. Nobody's gonna force you. If it's an opportunity, nobody forces you to take an opportunity. You have the choice whether you wanna take the opportunity or not. Here, it's saying when you fall or you have troubles, consider that an opportunity. Brother Hagen used to say there's pressure, there's stuff pushing, doesn't look like it's good. And he said it's just another opportunity to prove that God's word works. In the middle of something, you say, well, what are we going to do? Well, we're just going to act like God's word's true. This is an opportunity to prove that what we say we believe works. The word of God works. It's an opportunity. You don't have to take it. You don't have to consider it all joy. You could say, well, I just don't feel like it. Forget it. I'm not mocking that. We've all been there. Every one of us has been pressed. But we couldn't say we didn't have the opportunity. We could do what the Word said. All of us can come up. All of us can come to a higher level. When the opportunity comes, we can start taking more of the opportunities and say, well, you know what? I don't feel like it, but I'm gonna count this joy right now. I'm bringing my game up. I'm going up. Here's another opportunity. I may have missed some of those opportunities, but not any longer. I'm taking the opportunity, and I'm gonna count this joy. I'm gonna rejoice in the middle of it. I'm gonna rejoice. What's the alternative? Complain? Go down? How is that going to help? So if you have a trial, if you have pressure, talking about it and how bad it is, that's going to help how? Not going to help anything. In fact, it's just going to sap your strength like we talked about last week. You start talking negative, your strength is just going to run out of you. You won't have what you need now to face the trial you, your faith is just decreasing because you're focusing on the wrong thing. You're getting weaker by the moment, and you're still in the trial, and now you're weaker than when you started to face the trial. Logically, that doesn't make, that, that's not good sense. That doesn't help. It's the wrong move. It's like, I'm already facing a trial, so I'm going to get myself as weak as possible and then hit it. Well, we said the joy of the Lord is your strength. We talked about that last week. If we started getting in joy, now our strength's going to come up. If we're in a trial, what do we need? We need strength. So we we should be, just logically, take emotion out of it. I'm in a trial. I need strength. Got to flip on the joy. Got an opportunity here. I got an opportunity to get weaker or stronger. Which one am I going to take? Well, I choose stronger. I'm going to just get stronger here. Need some strength. We're going to flip on the joy button, the the joy switch. We're gonna we're just going to rejoice opportunity. I'm going to choose to do it. I don't feel like doing it, but I I sure don't want to get weaker. So I'm going to push against the feelings and start going up. I'm going to start getting stronger. 1 Peter 4 verse 12 says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you. You know what the devil will tell you? You're the only one. You're the only one. There's nobody has gone through anything like what you have gone through. Not making light of anything we may go through, but the devil will try to make it worse and tell you and lie to you, saying there's nobody that's ever gone through anything like what you're going through. Try to get you to feel sorry for yourself that much more. And to get you, what he's trying to do is get you to yield to him, speak his words so he can get you weak, so he can take you out. It's just tactical. He's he's got tactics he's trying to run. If he can run that play, get you, you know, no, nobody's seen this and you're just never gonna get out and you start repeating that, I don't know how I'm gonna do it. You're going down, you're getting weaker, you're getting weaker and then he's trying to take you out. But it says here, "Don't, don't consider it strange. Don't consider it strange concerning the fiery trial which is, about to, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you, as it, if it's just completely out of the ordinary. The, the trials of life come to everybody. Jesus said that you will have tribulation in this earth. Stuff will come. It's what do we do when it comes? So it says, Do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you, but Rejoice. But, but rejoice, to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. In other words, you're walking the path God has for you. There there can be pressure. He's saying, don't think it weird that you have pressure, but rejoice. And if you are you're you're experiencing the pressure because you're serving God and things are pushing in on you anyway, you are just going to consider it all joy in the middle of it and go right on through, and right on over, knowing that this is not gonna this is not the end. Ultimately, ultimately, even if stuff didn't work out everywhere, ultimately we win. Ultimately, the end of the game is you're in heaven rejoicing with the angels. That's, that's the end. There is, if you're a Christian and you know God, that's your end. So no matter what, that's your end. So we, if we just need to focus on that, that's not saying it's not going to go right. But even if everything went wrong, that's your future. So you're going to win, no matter what. Well, that puts it in a different perspective. All right, well, that's where we're going. So in the middle of this, I'm taking my opportunity. While I am breathing, while I am on the earth, I'm not going to miss this opportunity to glorify God because I can't come back here. I'm not going to get weak. I'm not going to get taken out. I'm not going to let my joy run out. I'm going to get stronger right now. And when I look back at the replay in heaven, I'm going to be like, yeah, I took the opportunity. Yeah. Skip that other video. I don't want to see that one. That one I didn't do. Let's skip past that one. Okay, here's another highlight. Yeah, that's what I did. Not glorified in yourself, you know, praise God he helped me, but I took the opportunity. <laughs> praise God. Yeah, I mean, you know, it says that he's going to wipe away every tear. Some of those tears are going to be like, oh, man, I, I, why, did I, why did I yield to that? And, and, and when we see Satan, we're going to be like, what? He made me do that? Didn't make, but he put the pressure, and I yielded to it. Ah! Don't want to see that replay. Oh, Jesus, I'm sorry. You're crying. He's like, it's all right. It's all right. You're here now. It's okay. (laughs) But we're here, and we have some opportunities to do something different. Romans 5, verse 1. It says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and rejoice in hope of the glory of God, verse 3, and not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. Same thing James said. We rejoice. That's what that's saying. We rejoice in tribulation. You're not thanking God for it. You're in the middle of it, and you're thanking God anyway. You're rejoicing anyway, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope, Now that hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So as we run through this, we see. wait, I'm rejoicing in God, and we go through it, and, and we get to the other side, we see God's faithful, we get stronger and stronger, and it produces character and expectation in us. Now let's look at Acts 16. I want to show you an example of this. Acts 16, verse 16, it says, Now it happened, as we went to prayer, that a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination met us, who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to us the way of salvation, and she... And this she did for many days. So this is, you'll see that this girl is, is possessed, it says, with a spirit of divination. So this is not nice. This isn't like, oh, these men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the salvation. It's probably like, these men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim the way of salvation. Like a mocking, annoying type of voice. Like, eh. Verse 18, and this she did for many days, but Paul greatly annoyed. (laughs) See, he's annoyed. This is getting on his nerves. Turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. You say, why didn't he do that earlier? That's a different topic, but the gifts of the Spirit are in manifestation now. You can't turn them on and off. They came on it, he saw it was a Spirit, and he said, leave, and it did. And he came out that very hour. But when her master saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. So this spirit brought these people profit. Well, they just cast out the spirit. So now, (laughs) now they're mad. These guys, they're mad at Paul and Silas. So, and they brought them to the magistrates and said, these men being Jews exceedingly exceedingly trouble our city, and they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with, with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet with stocks. So they had their clothes tore off, First of all, they were, they exercised the name of Jesus, they got dragged, they got their clothes torn off, and they got beaten with rods. Then they got thrown into prison, and then they have their feet in stocks. Verse 25 says, but at midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. In the middle of the night, when all this has happened, they are still choosing to look to God. It doesn't look like a good situation, does it? Well, Paul wrote, when we read, count it all joy, he wrote that. Obviously, he practices what he preaches. He wrote, rejoice always. In Philippians, rejoice in the Lord always. Well, he is in the middle of a situation that looks like most people would be complaining. Most people would be moaning. What? You're kidding me. I'm preaching the gospel? And now I got beat up, got my clothes torn off, got thrown in prison, and I'm in stocks and in dark? What's going on? That's not what he did. He is singing. Praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. See, they chose, he, Paul had a choice just like you and ha, I have a choice. They didn't have any special anointing to rejoice in the prison. As far as what I'm saying is, they were going through life, it wasn't like, oh, it was easy for them, because they're Paul and Silas. No, the reason you know about them is because they chose to act on the word of God, and did this, and believed it and did it even when there was lots of pressure and still did it. It's not because it was just easy for them. They chose to do it, just like we have to choose to do it, just like David chose to do it, just like the other psalmists chose to do it, just like James said, count it all joy. I don't think he was a hypocrite either. I think he probably did it. But they didn't have anything special that just made it real easy for them to do it where we just, you know, we just have to get by. No. We have to choose just like they had to choose. But then if you go down, they they were praising God and there was an earthquake and then they got out and they got the jailer saved and God turned the whole thing around. But they chose to rejoice. They chose to go on God's path and not the path that's easy in the world. Anybody, anybody. It's so easy to complain, isn't it? It's so easy to, to just go with the circumstance. It's so, so easy just to say what the circumstance is. You will have supernatural help to do so. The devil will try to prompt you to talk about the negative and to be sad and to get down and not to rejoice. No, don't rejoice. Don't do that. But it's so easy. Anybody can just talk about what is. But to start rejoicing and to start looking to God and start being glad in a situation, that takes something else. That takes a belief and a faith and a focus on something beyond what we see. But the truth is that God is real. The spiritual realm is real. So it's not, you're not making something up. You are believing the truth and acting on the truth in the middle of a situation. And that's actually what can bring us right out of whatever we're facing. It strengthens us. It helps us. It brings us over. Strength and ability to go through. But it's all a choice for every one of us. But God is faithful to help us do His Word. And so if we'll hook up with Him, if we'll just hook up with what He said to do, even in the middle of it, His ability, His power, His strength will be there to help us. Amen.